Here we go. Now let's hit record. I've never hit record here before. So here we. I think we're. I think we're. We're. We're, we're live, Dave. We're live. We are live. <laughs> oh we my stars! Are live. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> <coughs> we we are so live now. So um, everyone, uh, thank you very much, Dave, for uh, joining me this morning on on just ask. Um, we are so excited to have you in uh, guest number one. Oh, Ben, so we, it's such we, a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I'd love to be able to say that there was no technical difficulties, but you know what? We we persevered, and, uh, and that here we are. That is part of becoming a good host, is persevering <laughs> through technical difficulties. Oh, oh lesson number oh. one. Yeah, that'll <laughs> uh, So, Dave, uh, TV host, radio host, public speed speaker in both uh, the community and in church as well, and also a superhero out in the community too, uh, spreading spreading your message of kindness. Um, so you, a lot of what you do involves um, speaking well and very fluent, yeah. fluently. Um, so I'm really happy to have you on as, as guest number one. Uh, and I just really, just want to kind of dive in right in. I mean, and you both, we're both uh, hosts on Rogers TV. Uh, so we both have weekly, weekly hosts or weekly shows. Um, and we have a wide array of guests that come on and join us in studio. Um, and that's, I think, really how you and I met um, was just kind of, I guess we had crossed paths before that. But then it just all of a sudden our paths kind of crossed more frequently. <laughs> we wound up in the TV studio. I was finishing up and you were starting. And uh, it was neat to me to watch you. Uh... Uh, begin your journey on how do you how do you host a show because there's still magic to television i mean the no matter how um you know we're broadcasting a podcast on a on a squad cast but there is still a magic to when you're broadcasting something that mm -hmm. uh i still find it's true and there's something neat about about television and so i've been interested watching you develop as a host so this is a neat discussion awesome cool i'm happy to have you here uh, so, like, why don't we go way back? Do you remember the first time that you had to perform or to, like, speak in public? And what, what was that like for you? My mom tells a story about when I was a kid. We were in the Linden Park Mall in Brantford, Ontario. And we walked up. We were walking up to Sears. And I stopped. And I looked at the sign. And I said, S-E-A-R-S. -S, Sears. And it was like how she said, it was like you were doing an ad. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, Dave, you were born with a microphone in your mouth. And as as long back as I can remember, I mean, when I was a, a kid, I would have little Fisher Price tape recorders, and I would um, I would pretend to call Blue Jays games. I would pretend to be Tom Cheek and Jerry Howarth, and Jerry was one of my <laughs> first boys. Ha <laughs> ha! There she goes. And I would I would call Blue Jays games. I would watch the TV on mute. And I would pretend to be the radio broadcaster and then listen to my broadcast back. In retrospect, they probably weren't very good. But it was that's where my mind went to. And I would I would listen to, <laughs> to radio broadcasts of uh, baseball games late at night and the guys who were the DJs on the radio. I used to I used to just be fascinated by them. And I mean, I remember um, they don't do them anymore. But uh, mid elementary school, you started to back in the day, you had to do speeches. And it was it was part of your part of your annual curriculum for English. And I remember watching 
friend after friend be petrified of going up and doing speeches. And I'm like, this is the only thing I'm good at. <laughs> this is me. This, this is me. <laughs> I remember doing I remember doing a speech about uh, there was one girl in my class who had she had immigrated from Vietnam and uh, she told this incredible story of their family coming across from Vietnam and it was it was it was touching and but she didn't communicate it well and I did a speech about my dog who was just a a dumb dog and I ended up winning the speech competition because I could tell the story better like this dog is not even remotely as interesting as this harrowing story of immigration but it's how you tell it and and I for whatever reason I was always able to tell a good story and that's um, a big part of broadcasting and public speaking is telling a story and helping others tell their story. Right. It is. It's a, it's a huge part of it. And you kind of, you touched on it there. Um, speaking about like your classmates nerves, um, during those speeches, uh, is nerves something like, I know that when, when like all of a sudden the countdown goes on for the show, I, I still get those jitters. Um, it's like, it's like pregame jitters. It's not like, it's not like stressed out nerves anymore. Like, oh man, this is, I'm just about to go on TV. It's more like you're kind of excited. You're ready to go. You want to make sure that you perform well. Uh, do you, do you still get those nervous jitters? I've never, or have you ever had them? You've never had them. It's not true. I, the only, the only public speaking, um, I've ever done where I have had them. And I still get them is when I've done stand up comedy. Now I've only ever done it five or six times. Uh, and, but it's like you are in a boxing match with the audience, like, and because when you're funny and you do anything else, it's like, uh, well, I'm interested in what you're saying, but, oh, and he's funny. So it's like an extra little bonus prize that you find your box of shreddies. But when you're doing comedy, it's like, they look at you going, all right, funny boy, come on, come on, get me. And, and that is the most intimidating, but, but the rest of it, it it honestly has never been there. Um, Sometimes in advance a, a little bit, but right. maybe a day out where I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to go and, and do this. And but when you're there, uh, when I get on stage, it's it's just like I feel like a duck in water, right? Like and, just comfortable. I, I've I've talked with with many people, in fact, even just different folks that even put on shows that they watch. There are some people that do get very nervous right before to the point of, um, and again, this is actually another stand-up comedy uh, reference, a friend of mine who puts on a lot of comedy shows. He said, it's, he talked to me once about finding it interesting how people dealt with before the camera goes on or the lights go on or you walk out on stage. He said, there are some people that pace around, even throw up in the back, but then they call their name and they come out or the light goes on and it's like, Boom! it's like <laughs> nothing, nothing is wrong. People with deep, deep seated anxiety disorders, they're out on stage, like fear of people, but they're on stage and they're just on fire and then they come right. off and they can't even look you in the eye. Like I, I've, yeah. I've seen uh, performers that we put on shows, same thing as far as musicians they're on stage and they're just at home and then they shuffle off and they can't look you in the eye and can't interact like a normal human chit chat afterwards. And it's, so I don't know what the psychology is behind all of it, but I know (laughs) that for whatever reason, it's not an intimidating thing to me. Although 
for uh, the, the, the the honest to goodness most intimidating thing sometimes, and it was when I was younger, was that I I dealt with a really uh, serious stutter when I was young, right. and I still do. If you really listen to it, I still do deal with with a, a stutter. Um, but there were times when I was growing up and learning to speak where I would would open my mouth to say something and I couldn't get words out. And it still happens sometimes, and I have to change the first word that I'm about to say because I can't get that word out, and I know it, and so I have to go about it a different way to be able to get words out of my mouth. Right. Uh, so it's interesting that I've chosen uh, different things in life where public speaking is such a part of it, but I also know I'm not the only one. So guys like James Earl Jones, who uh, became one of the, the most recognizable voices in broadcasting, mm -hmm. when he was young, couldn't get words out of his mouth, and the only place where he could was with his cows in his barn when he was a kid. And he could speak mm -hmm. fluently because all of a sudden there was no pressure on, but uh, he learned tricks to be able to allow him to present like he has. So. That's incredible. I had never heard that story uh, about him before. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a really interesting thing. And as I've met different stutterers over the years and people that have dealt with it to different levels, it's it's also not uncommon. And so um, you just learn how to be able to um, trick your brain into being hmm. able to get to the point where you then start going and and words right. start coming out of your mouth. So. Awesome. Awesome. And we kind of touched on a little bit there about people like doing the pacing, they're a bit of anxiety before. Uh, do you have any like pre pre show rituals or pre uh, pre performance rituals? It all depends on what I'm doing, right? Like I don't have any pre pre show pre performance. Um, I'm like, so if I'm hosting Brant Life, I've got a guest right. that's there. And and honestly, you have to get used to hearing a couple of different things going on in your mind and in your ear and being able to do both of them. So right. when you're in a television scenario, your director is in your ear counting you down from 10. And I, ha I have a guest that part of my job is to also make this guest have a great experience. So right. I'm attempting to still have chit chat. Sometimes I've got chit chat going on with a guest about what they've eaten for lunch at the same time as the director is going in 10, nine. And I'm trying, <laughs> okay, I, I'm thinking I got to wrap this conversation up and go, ha, 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 that was really, I love spinach too in three seconds. Okay. And now we're on. And so it all depends because your guest uh, is is a different is a uh, is is different each time. They have different levels of nerves. Being able to keep your guests in a comfortable place so when when the light goes on, um, they're ready to go is uh, is that's a variable. So there's different right. ways to um, to even approach these things if you're if you're interviewing for the edit or you're interviewing live. If you're interviewing mm -hmm. live, it's a different story. If you're interviewing and you know you can edit in a subsequent time, then there's all kinds of different uh, ways to be able to make your guest feel more comfortable so that you can, because mm -hmm. you always have to have the end goal of what you're doing in mind. So right. you have to be thinking about the macro. You have to be thinking about what do I want to come out of this event, out of this broadcast? Mm -hmm. What do I need to do in the next five minutes to be able to get what I need out of it? Sometimes if you're editing for, um, or if you're interviewing for a smaller piece, you only really need one line. And so you can talk a whole lot of gobbledygook. You can mm -hmm. ask the same question 15 times until you get a, a, an answer that you want. It doesn't really matter. But right. if you're doing something live, that first blast really matters right so it's it's always dependent to me ben on on what i'm doing it for right and i find like that that balancing act uh as a host um and having like just so many different 
uh, I guess, stimulations. You've got the guests sitting there, like you said, you've got the director in your ear. Then you're trying to ask questions. You ask a question and then you, you listen to their answer. And then you have to be ready to either play off of that answer and work for that. Or you, and then also if you end up with a guest that maybe doesn't, it's like, especially early on in an episode and it's their first time, they might just be like, yes. Like you gotta be very careful asking, asking the right questions because if you get a, a yes answer, then you, you can't really play off of that in any way. You have to have another question prepared. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, so a couple of different aspects of this. Um, there are some hosts who, who make a very big deal about the fact that they don't want to talk to their guests before show go, shows mm-hmm. go on. So a lot of the late night guys used to be like that. I think I'm pretty sure Carson was was like that, where they didn't they never talked to the guests before they went on because they knew where they wanted to go and they knew he knew if he launched into it he didn't want to ruin his material or the direction before because he wanted <laughs> the reaction to be live. So there's right. even hosts on on local Rogers Cable that function the same way. If you go on their show, they're not talking to you before and you're like, what's the deal with this guy? Yeah. But the, but the reason is they want to be able to save it for the camera because that first honest reaction is a whole lot better than we were talking in the green room right, right. because right. if you if you're referring to a conversation that happened another time all of a sudden you're cutting your audience out of it but if you're a skilled host you should be able to do both you should be able to keep that wall when your guest is there you're to be able to go I want to build a rapport because I think rapport is extraordinarily important so mm-hmm. when my guests come for whatever show I, I know that I have to play host a little bit and keep it light, but build some rapport because I, I want the feel for when the, when the tally light goes on that the broad, the audience feels like me and the guests are old friends, even if right. we've never met each other before. And you can fake it, but it's better if you have some kind of rapport going on. And so I think act, to, for me, guest interaction and people interaction is, is important uh, before and the only way you get around the how can I deal with a couple things happening at the same time is practice. Like okay. it's there is the amount of times you do it, you start to get used to it. Like I, I, I there, there's no, there's no shortcut around it. I, I don't think, and I, I'm sure some people are better suited than others, but it's just practice. So I went to broadcast school at Niagara College, and they made us do intros and extras a million times. <laughs> And we were like, this is absolutely ridiculous. But you just simply get used to doing it. Like I remember, and and um, how did when something happens behind the camera and you're you're the host and you're you're trying to figure out how to react to it, you uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a practiced skill. Like I mm-hmm. remember being in broadcast school, we were doing a television show, like a weekly regional TV show. Uh, in in uh, out of Welland, and there was a a story that uh, the news anchor was reading, and it was about the families of Kristen French and Leslie Mahaffey, who were mm-hmm. the victims of the Paul Bernardo crimes uh, years ago, and they're from the, right. uh, I think the Mahaffey family or French family is from St. Catharines, and mm-hmm. I think the Mahaffey family, but they're from from the broadcast region. Well. Being young, dumb college students, the one of my peers was the floor director, and he was having a weird day, and he's throwing his his uh, his headphones up in the air while the news anchor is trying to read this story on horrific crimes, but the right. floor director is not paying attention, and he drops his headphones, 
being a goofball and the anchor starts to laugh at the nitwit behind the camera and all of a sudden it looks like he's laughing at the this terrible terrible That's what just happened and, yeah. oh it, it and i remember i was the host of the show and i watched our program director bolt down from the from the studio pull the plug and you know rightfully ream out these two guys but the only thing the audience saw was the host giggling right and they don't know any of the rest of that stuff it doesn't matter to them the rest of that stuff. It's the it's the face and the voice that they go, that guy laughed, and he is. And that's a responsibility on the host to be able to l do this enough, to learn enough, to be able to go, I'm I know that I have a responsibility to that uh, to the audience to be able to, regardless of what happens, still be there for them, be their happy TV friend. You know? Right. And so it's there's no, there's no um, shortcuts around just simply practice doing it. Yeah, and it really, that, that practice also brings, like also plays on authenticity too. Like I know when, like we've both uh, traded places on each other's shows um, and just feeling like I know we've had that time to build up that rapport, but just sitting there, I feel very comfortable working with you and sitting down with you. And it, that having that authentic conversation with your guests before to kind of build up that rapport is so is so powerful and every now and again there are those little glitches um like uh, like especially as a live show too it's like okay and we're all of a sudden we're having a conversation in the commercial break we're having a conversation and then all of a sudden it's like okay well you're back and all of a sudden you have to like turn and like <laughs> just stare and it's like and welcome back and you kind of make a bit of a joke about it right there's nothing else that you can do you just have to play it off as fun and i really like though that that kind of almost you kind of almost get a feel for what's going on. Like it's, it really shows that the studio is a fun place to be and a comfortable place to be for our guests when we bring them on. That's true. But people on the other side couldn't give a, as they used to say mm -hmm. in the forties, whooping font about mm -hmm. any technical, anything they, they, they honestly couldn't, <laughs> they don't care about the camera. They don't care about right. the tech part of it. Like, they, they they don't. They're tuning in for the content and the and the people. So there are times when um, technical things happen that it's worth acknowledging, and times that it's not. If it's really right. evident, it's not an awful thing to acknowledge something that's going on around you. But for the for the most part, like you can you can. Um, I've seen the, where, where I've seen um, issues is when hosts go off the rails talking about tech stuff. Right. Uh, now it can be taken to the other extreme. I remember there was an old, uh, an old blooper from the seventies. It was a religious TV show where a lady she was like, and the Lord said she was real focused on the camera. And in the background, this uh, like an old studio light smashed behind her, and her set <laughs> caught on fire, and 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 literally was it was in flames. And she's like, and the devil is trying to distract us, but we're and I'm like, lady, you need to get out of that studio. Like, yeah. <laughs> acknowledge the burning set. I don't care what a guy in broadcast school told you. That thing's on fire. Get out. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. so, There's a whole different level of perseverance. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but the audience doesn't care about, about, about the technical issues. Right. Being able to, to quickly laugh things off and find a way just to simply continue it's disarming to to the to the audience it's disarming to the guests who are also not used to technical issues and they're they right. feel as befuddled as a you're there to be that calming influence to go hey listen everything's gonna be all right right, I'm right. An <laughs> and you're gonna be okay <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, and I mean, you can't really, those are things that you can't really prepare for uh, when you're, when you're going through these things. You can't, you can't, like all those are external, yeah. uh, external circumstances. Uh, how about, like, do you do, do you do much preparation for, for your shows or for public speaking engagements that you do? Because um, I know some people, some people like to dive like right in and they want to know absolutely everything that they could possibly know about that person. And then that almost really super curates the interview instead of like being almost like a discovery project. Like I think there's a happy medium. Well, I think it's both. I think I I like to know who it is I'm interviewing. I like to know a little bit about the organization. Again, it all depends on what you're doing. If you've got an hour long in depth, you're going to need a heck of a lot more prep than you are for five minutes of, Hey, tell me about pumpkin fest. Right. You know, like it's, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I like to, I like to know the background of who I'm talking to, but I also look at the show that I'm doing and I think, what do I want to, what do I want to accomplish with this? So for something like Brant life, mm-hmm. I often have people come and really all they want to talk about is pumpkin fest. But I start asking them questions about, well, why do you like pumpkins so darn much? You know, like, and I, I right. like to find out the reasons behind the things that that people do. And so you need to be mm-hmm. able to know what the what the externals are, the researchables are. But right. then that's just a framework for a dialogue. So if you're going in totally cold and you don't know much about the person or the organization you can kind of look like a country bumpkin a little bit going well how are you and tell me about your what is the trick i don't know i don't know what yeah, yeah. <laughs> the analogy didn't work but I, I was looking for an excuse to use that voice right. um, uh, but i <laughs> you got a list there of different voices you want to use no just on camera no <laughs> yeah that'd, be, that'd project be amazing joke i was Every day I work at anyway, that would be funny, maybe for another podcast, but, but (laughs) you do need to listen to what people are saying. And then when there's something of interest, jump off of it, know where you've got to get to. Like, that's to me a a big issue is that, you know, you got to know your, your big picture. You got to know your, your, your framework, because if you've got a, a, an eight minute interview, that's what my Brant Life segments are. Right. If that guest is only going to feel good about themselves if they've talked about that event to a full extent, it doesn't mean with three minutes to go, I go, tell me about your father, you know, right, like, right. because that is a rabbit trail you can't get back from. So if you've got the time <laughs> to go down a trail and you've, and you know that and you just realize, Hey, there's something good in what that guy just said. Tell me more about that. I'd love right. to know more Then then you can do that, but you have to be able to bring it back to be able to bring a resolution. So I often think of it as a um, like an Inception type thing, right? Remember the movie Inception right. where they go yeah. down a level and a level. You can only it only works if you can get back to that to that to that reality. If you you need to be able to bring it back to a natural resolution, so you can't dive too far down in it unless you can bring it back to that natural resolution. But I I. I when I'm in the middle of it, each interview is like a little challenge, right? So I'm I'm right. constantly thinking about the time, what I can do, where I can go. Do I have the time to unravel and bring it back? I think about how deep you can go before I can bring it back to the top. <laughs> so it's it's fun. It's a it's a neat challenge. Yeah. Uh, what do you like with all everything that you do, your public speaking? What do you hope to to achieve through sharing your message and through your performances? For me, everything I do is about community transformation. 
Right. So I think it's probably going to be a different answer than, than many. But um, I realized when I was young that I could, I could communicate lots of different things. And I could mm-hmm. use this to like for years, I, my goal was to be David Letterman. Like right. I want to be Johnny Carson. I want to be David Letterman. That was that was the goal. Uh, I went to broadcast school and I thought, you know, I actually really could do very well at this if I just simply put this into my profession. I could probably be right. a successful newscaster or host, or I could I could be Ben Mulroney today, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I went to a what's a bigger purpose? What mm-hmm. what do I want to use? the skill that I have to achieve. So I'd only do things where I look and go at the end of it, this does point our community towards being a better community. This allows um, people to have their story told who need their story told so that they both feel good about themselves, but also the community becomes a better place. So I'm not doing a lot of things that are just I'm just doing it for my own personal amusement. I miss my own personal amusement sometimes, but but in the middle of you know, I I I find a lot of fun in in doing in doing uh, public speaking. But but I realized that it was worth more to me when it was uh, worth more to the community at large. And so that's that's my goal for all of it. So I don't need to make. Um, have you ever seen somebody in the middle of an interview go, should I ask this question or not? Should I ask mm-hmm. it? This person will never speak to me again, but the public deserves to know, but right. this person's life will be destroyed if I ask this question. Mm-hmm. There used to be sportscasters that I would watch that would go, and at the end I would go, you're a jerk for asking that question. Yeah. You didn't have to ask that. And then they go on uh, rambles about journalistic integrity and a bunch of things that they didn't have in the first place. I, I'm never going to be that guy. I'm right. never going to use this for for that because it actually is just simply a destructive thing. For me, I want to be able to find ways for people to be able to tell the things that are actually inside of them. I want mm-hmm. to go and speak at things that um, I can encourage people to be better in themselves and be better people, but also for them to be able to see their community in a better light. So that's my common thread, and, and, and it doesn't seem like that would affect the the practice of interviewing but it really honestly does if mm-hmm. i have a guest leave and go you should never have asked me that that was just inappropriate and you made you made me embarrassed because of this for your own purposes so that you could get a laugh or that you could get a clip or that you could then right. i haven't achieved what my what my macro goal is there could be lots of people that go that is that is their goal that's their professional goal have at her that's not where right. I, that's not where i'm headed but i think that as interviewers and as aspiring um broadcasters and interviewers you need to know personally why you're doing what you're doing and you and your interview style and where you go actually needs to be tailored to your own personal vision for what you're doing this for right right well it's it's been a pleasure dave thank you so much for for joining me on episode number one of just ask um, really appreciate it and really appreciate you uh, offering your advice and tips on on how to interview properly and all of the knowledge and experience that you've gathered over your career. So thank you very much. And with that, we're, yeah. Ben, oh, sorry, it was Dave. a pleasure. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad it was. Glad it was. Did you feel very comfortable? I felt so comfortable you oh, wouldn't yeah. believe it. Okay, yeah. Perfect.
<laughs> I have a lap of comfort right here. Allow me to enjoy a quick beverage of water. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, and with that, we are going to wrap up the show number one, and we will see you with the next one. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Bye.